Hallelujah. You know, during praise and worship, I had a vision of the roof of this place just gone. It's like we are, we are pressing in and creating an atmosphere for the presence of God, the glory of God just to fill this place. I just, man, get ready, people. We are having a great time. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 John chapter 3. With today being Father's Day, by the way, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Amen. It's not only proper to give honor to our to our earthly fathers, but to our heavenly Father, as you noticed in, in all the songs, and it's just a powerful time. You know, but many have a, a wrong or a distorted view of our Heavenly Father. Uh, maybe because, like what Marianne was saying earlier, you know, you've, you've been through some things. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe, maybe your father wasn't very nice to you. Something happened along the line. And, you know, some people just have a really hard time connecting with their Heavenly Father because of their earthly experience. So I want to talk today about some characteristics of our Heavenly Father that we need to keep in our thought life on a daily basis. Say daily basis. Amen. So when the enemy comes, these are are things that you can hold on to because the enemy is going to come. When you're going through a storm, when you're going through something in life, the enemy is going to come and he's going to try to get you to blame your Heavenly Father. But I want to show you today he has no part in any of those things. Amen. He is a... Good, good Father. Amen? We want to welcome those that are watching online around the world right now. Welcome to Carroll, Michigan. Amen? Into Living Waters Chapel. So the first thing I want to point out to you here is that our Heavenly Father is loving. All right? Duh. We know that, right? But He's not only loving, He is kind. Amen? Look at 1 John chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 3. Man, some might say, okay, so this is just going to kind of be a, uh, a shallow kind of a message today, right? Oh, no, 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 no. You know me. We're going to dig into some deeper waters with these passages. Amen? First John 3, 1 through 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, Now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But when we know that, when, when he is, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This passage here is trying to reveal to us as Christians that, you know what? We are blessed to be loved by our Heavenly Father. Amen? And it's such an amazing love. It goes on to say that the world can't even comprehend it. I mean, we as Christians can barely comprehend it. Amen? But the world is used to a selfish a fleshly kind of a love. You know what I'm talking about? It's not the love of God. And it's really not love at all, right? Only God can define what love really is. Amen? I mean, you can tell your wife or you can tell your family member that you love them all day. But if, if, you're, if you're not putting action behind that, it's just empty words. Amen? See, abusers tell their wives and their spouses all the time. I don't know why I just said wives, but, but you know, 
abuse goes both ways. Are you hearing me, somebody? It can go both ways. But abusers tell their spouse, you know, that they love them, but they keep on wounding them physically. They keep wounding them spiritually and, and emotionally, right? But our Heavenly Father not only declares His love for us in the Word, but He has proven it through His actions by, number one, first of all, sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth as a provision to take our sin away. Amen? For the love... Uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We all know it, right? But I love this. According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God revealed His kindness to us. You know, here's the deal. Listen to this. We are supposed to love our enemy, right? It don't mean you have to like them. See? You might be married, right? You're supposed to love your spouse, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't like their spouse. Are you following me? That's why I'm saying God not only loves us and provides for us, but he's kind with it. See, there's a difference because you're supposed to love your enemy, right? If you see them hungry, you see them needing something, a daily necessity, you're supposed to love them and provide that need for them. That don't necessarily mean you emotionally like them. God likes us. I like that. You know what I mean? I mean, we all talk about the love of God every time, but my goodness, he likes us. Say that. Say, God likes me. I like that. Amen. See, I want you to notice in 1 John 3, 3, it says everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I find it interesting that in this one verse, it talks about loving our Heavenly Father, and then it transitions to the world, telling us the world can't even comprehend it. And then it transitions to that we need to become more like Christ, right? And then to everyone that has this hope, we are to purify ourselves. You see, the true love of God in us, the true love of God should motivate us to live and be more like our Heavenly Father. It should. If your version of the love of God, you know, thinks that it's okay to live like the devil, you're deceived. That's, that's the fleshly, that's a worldly kind of love. Amen? The love of the Father, if you truly have comprehension of God's love, it's going gonna, it's gonna to draw you in. His goodness draws you in, and you're going to be like, I want to live like Him. I want to be like Him. Amen? You ever hear that someone say, man, you're just like your father. You ever have that? Man, you're just like your father. Well, people need to be saying that about us as Christians. Wow, you're just like your heavenly father. Amen? So keep in mind that the word of God says that Jesus Christ is the expressed image of his father. I love that. I love that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can read about Jesus' earthly ministry. And it says everything that Jesus did, he was fulfilling the will of God. He was the expressed image of the will of God. I like that. That's why we can still talk about Jesus and connect it to his heavenly father. See, the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are always in agreement. They're three separate, distinct persons, but it's one God. Amen? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, you have to cut out a whole bunch of the word of God (laughs) not to believe in the Trinity. Are you following me? Number two, here we go. Ready for this? Our Heavenly Father. So He not only loves us, He's not only kind. Our Heavenly Father is a provider. 
He is a, a good father provides. Are you hearing me? Go to Matthew chapter 6 with me here. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 25 through 33. And we know this. My, I don't know about your Bible. I got the red letter edition. My words are in red here. This means Jesus is doing the speaking. So, you know, it's pretty important stuff, right? Everything in this book is important. But, man, I, I don't know. When, when I see those red letters, I'm like, wow, Jesus had something to say. We need to pay attention. Amen? Matthew six twenty five. it says this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, put, put on. It is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Someone needs to hear this this morning. Which of you by worrying, come on somebody, underline this. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, which today is and tomorrow is th- thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Wow, Jesus Jesus is kind of giving us a low-key rebuke with a smile on his face. Has anyone ever rebuked you with a smile on their face before? This is it, right? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek, or the world seeks. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, I'm going to the next one. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, in this passage, I mean, you can't read that passage and not understand that Jesus is going up and beyond to encourage us not to worry in this life on this earth. Amen? And to let us know that our Heavenly Father, you know what? Our Heavenly Father is very up to date on what your personal needs are. He knows, he knows exactly what you need. Okay? So, yeah, no. You know, people say, well, God's too busy. You know, what if He for-? He will never forget about you. Fear and worry add nothing to your life. In fact, it takes away from your life. Amen? It causes us to waste time focusing on the wrong thing. And in fact, science has even proven that fear and worry can even cause sickness and disease in the body. Right? I mean, this is science. What what, what do they always, the government, follow the science, right? Well, the problem when you follow the science from the government, it always leads to a money trail, right? (laughs) Some of y'all got that. But Jesus told us in this passage that we have two things. You as a Christian, you have two things to focus on. That's it. Say two things. Two things to focus on in your life on this earth right now. These are them right now. He said, focus on, number one, the kingdom of God. 
Number two, focus on his righteousness. Did you notice he said whatever? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about all your daily provisions. Just be focused on, Jesus said, on two things. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now let's go into, let's go into deeper detail. What does that even mean, right? I could leave that right there and just move on and you guys walk out of here. What, what's he talking about? Great, the kingdom of God. Here we go. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit showed me this. The kingdom of God, meaning stay connected to God on a spiritual level. Not a fleshly, not a head level. Because many Christians are just strictly on the head level, right? Stay connected because the kingdom of God is in the spirit realm. So stay connected to God on a spiritual level. Jesus is telling us this. Stay spiritually minded in your life. Remember how I told you everything in the natural realm is a manifestation of what's going on in the spirit realm around you. If you want to change something in the natural realm, something needs to change in the spirit realm. This is exactly what Jesus is telling us. He said the world seeks after things in the natural. The world seeks after greed and lust and all these things in the natural. But he said, no, 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 not my children. Don't fall into the trap of the devil. Don't do it. Stay spiritually minded. Mm, mm, mm. Get your focus. Jesus is saying, get your focus off of the natural realm. Because the natural realm will only generate fear, worry, and anxiety. Anything in your life that generates fear, worry, and anxiety, know what that means? You were never meant to meditate on that thing. Come on, somebody. That's deep. Chew on that one. Amen? So focus on the kingdom of God. Stay spiritually minded. Number two, his righteousness. That means meaning seeking our heavenly father's way of doing things. In other words, come out of this world system. Don't do what the world does. It's going to lead to lack. It's going to lead, come on, somebody. It's going to lead to a lack of peace in your life. No, he said, stay spiritually minded and seek your heavenly father's way of doing things. Live a holy life that's set apart for him, right? Make him your priority. Make him, remember, be imitators of God. Ephesians 5.1 says that. Be imitators of God. I find it interesting in, in Mark chapter 11, it, Jesus literally said, have the God kind of faith. Right? You connecting the dots here? Seek God's way of doing things. Have the God kind of faith in your life. Amen? So here's the deal. It's impossible for us to walk in love, in the love of God, if we are not a giver like our Heavenly Father. The love of God, in fact, if the love of God is, is working in you, it will motivate you to give and to help others. Amen? I want to show you a passage the Holy Spirit gave me. Uh, Proverbs 19. Go to Proverbs 19, verse 17. This one was just... Man, illuminated in my spirit when I was writing this message. And the Holy Spirit wants me to share it with you today. Someone needs to hear it. Proverbs 19, verse 17. It says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. The poor, listen to this. We can't talk about the love of God 
the love of our Heavenly Father without talking about being a giver to help others. Amen? The poor, meaning, what do we mean by poor? We're talking about those individuals that don't even have the daily necessities to get through life. That's the poor, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about a, 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 you know, a first world problem where I don't have a pool. Oh, here's a pool. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about daily necessities. That's what the poor, who the poor is, right? The, listen to this. The poor is on the Lord's heart so much that he says when you give to the poor, you are literally lending to God himself. Think about that. And I'll be, I'm, I'm announcing it right from this, Paul, but this church is a giving church. We are helping people and we always will. Amen? When you give to the poor, you are literally lending to your heavenly father. And then he doesn't even stop there. He goes on to say he will even repay what was given to that poor person. In other words, I love it. This is what the Holy Ghost said. He said this, put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. If you see someone who has needs and daily needs who are lacking, provide it for them. Put it on my tab. I'm paying you back for it. And I want you to notice here that God uses people to provide for the less fortunate. Are you hearing me? He who has pity on the poor or he that has a right heart attitude. God always uses people. He uses people. If we don't do it, it's not going to happen. We are his body. We are the body of Christ. We are members of the body of Christ on this earth. We need to step it up. Amen? Our Heavenly Father is a provider. Next, our Heavenly Father is compassionate and He is faithful. Go to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations. Yeah, I know. You probably got a little dust in that book, don't you? Lamentations 3. Thought I'd give you a little surprise today, right? Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 25, I want to take a look at. Our Heavenly Father, it's undeniable, He is compassionate and He is faithful. Here we go, verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. Now here we go. Let's talk about this. The faithfulness of our Heavenly Father is based on this. Ready? His compassions for us. Now, I don't know about you, but immediately my teaching anointing goes to this. Okay, if it's based on compassion, what's the definition of compassion? Here we go. Listen to this. The word compassion is defined as sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings and misfortunes for others. Our Heavenly Father's compassions toward you, it says, are new every morning. And listen to this. This is what what the Holy Ghost showed me. He said, He is faithful. Here's why God is faithful. Are you ready for this? Because you are constantly in your Heavenly Father's thought life. 
There is not one second of the day or night that God is not thinking amazing thoughts about you. Think about that. That's powerful to me. So he is faithful because you're always on his mind. And that's why it says for us as Christians to hide the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him. Or this, hide the word of God in our heart so we can be faithful to him. Because it will stay in our thought life constantly. So his faithfulness is based on us being in his thoughts, thought life constantly. So we're in his constantly. My question is, is he in yours throughout the day? Con- you know, just take, take a moment. Take a moment throughout the day. Every hour. What, what, I mean, as much as possible, possible. Just start thinking about him. Just have a thought toward him. Let a, let a scripture come into your, into your mind and speak it out. Keep him in your thought life. Amen? There's never a time that you're forgotten about him. The Word of God says that your heavenly Father neither sleeps nor slumbers. We do, right? We like sleep, right? Not our heavenly Father. He's always on guard. He's always watching. When we're going through a trial, when we're going through a tough time in life and suffering, our Heavenly Father is compassionate toward you. And He's faithful not to leave you in the midst of that. That's comforting to me. Amen? Now, one of the main spiritual attacks that, that Christians have from, from Satan's kingdom, come on, is this. He's going to whisper in your ear, God has forsaken you. You're all alone in this trial. How many of you figure, you figured that out yet? Is anybody breathing in here this morning? Right? Right? I mean, you, you know, immediately you become a Christian and here comes the attacks of the enemy. You start to go through something, there's always, there are, the enemy's always going to whisper, whisper in, his, in your mind that God has forsaken you. He, you're, you don't mean anything to him. But that, this passage here exposes that lie from the enemy because we are always on the mind of God. He's always with us. Amen? Now, you may feel separated from him at times, but can I tell you something? God is not the one who moved. We move away from him. He's always there. You know, it doesn't matter how far you walk away from him. Guess, guess how quick it, ter- it takes to turn around and feel his presence again. He's right there. If you can walk as far as you can, you turn around and he's right there. See, we move away from Him. He'll never move away from us. Amen? So you need to remind yourself, remind yourself that He's always there. He's always good. He always has good thoughts. You know, the Bible says that we need to daily encourage ourselves in the Lord. Have you ever had to encourage yourself in the Lord? Again, is anybody breathing in here today? (laughs) Have you ever figured out, even as a Christian, you're going to have some hard days? Amen. All right, go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I want to show you something here. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Popular passage, but man, it fits right in with exactly what I'm talking about today. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, I want to read. It says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. What kind of thoughts, Lord, do you think 
from your, about your people. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Let's break this thing down. So our Heavenly Father has thoughts of peace and not of evil toward you to give you a future and a hope. Let me just tuck this in here. That future and a hope does not include sickness and disease. The whole purpose of sickness and disease is one thing, death. God says he has a future for you. Sickness and disease does not fit in that plan. By the way, be here Saturday night for the healing and deliverance service. We'll slay some more sacred cows at that time. Amen? But I want you to notice the transition in this passage. So listen, you've got to catch this. He tells us his thoughts about us in this verse, right? But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to uh, it goes on talking about us praying to our heavenly Father, right? And then Him hearing us. And then it says we will seek Him and find Him when we search for Him with our whole heart. When we honestly put effort into seeking our heavenly Father, the, here it is. You ready for this? When we honestly seek Him with a, with our with our whole heart. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. The good thoughts that He has for us, that future and a hope, His will for our life will then become a reality. But number one, it takes you searching Him with your whole heart. Without you searching with your whole heart, those things will not be manifested in your life. Did you catch that? I, I, I never seen that. I, I, you know, I, every time I've read that, to be honest with you, I just thought, oh, wow, great. God has good thoughts and, you know, a future and a hope and a peace. But when I read it this time, the Holy Ghost separated it because that's why it transitioned to telling us his thoughts about us and his will. Then it goes on to talking about us praying and he'll hear us. And then it says when we seek him with our whole heart, those things will manifest in our life. Again, here we go. Ready for this? The responsibility is on us and not on God. Wow. Woo! Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Dead religion puts all the, all the uh, responsibility on God. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll have it. Because by, by golly, he's sovereign, right? If he wants to do it, I have no part in it. I don't know about you, but when I'm reading the Word of God, I can't but help to see our, all of our responsibility in connecting with the will of God and for it to come, up, come to pass in our life. Amen? So our, our seeking him and his kingdom and his righteousness will manifest his thoughts and his will in our life. But we need to seek him. Oh my. All right, let's move on to the next one. Our Heavenly Father leads and guides us as a shepherd. Amen? Go to Psalm 23. Most of us know it. You know, the interesting thing is, many people um, you know, are familiar with Psalm 23 because it's a psalm that's read at funerals and graveside services. But you know something? Psalm 23 has nothing to do with that. Psalm 23 is for the living. Are you, amen? 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, most people think you're talking about the person who died walking through a valley. It has no, where do we come up with these things? What, you know, there's so much dead religion that Christians hold on to. There's so much more. In fact, this is all for us on this earth. This word is for us right here, right now. Oh, but Pastor James, I'll be healed when I get to heaven. Come on. The healing message is for now when you need it. You don't need it in heaven. You need it on this earth. Come on, somebody. So look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23. See, this is the, that's how the enemy just push it off to heaven. So the enemy can give you a hard time on this life right now. Well, we're not going to put up with it. That's why we're doing healing and deliverance service. We're going to preach healing. We're going to preach deliverance. We're going to take care of these things. Amen? We're going to be the body of Christ. Come on. We are the body of Christ. We're connected to Christ. What he started in his earthly ministry, never intended it for, for it to go away. Amen? Psalm 23. Wow, I'm getting fired up. Here we go. Psalm 23. Man, it's good. Love the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I like that. Yeah, I like that. It runneth over, right? He doesn't just want to fill you up. He wants to make it run over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's talk a little bit about the shepherd's psalm here. Maybe some things you never even thought about before. Our Heavenly Father, it says right here, our Heavenly Father will always lead us to and through peace on this earth. Let me say it again. Our Heavenly Father will lead us to and through peace on this earth. I want you to notice the beginning of this psalm is all about the shepherd of our soul leading and restoring us back to one thing, peace on the inside of you. Here's the deal. Jesus said, I give you peace. Many people say, well, we're supposed to just kind of get along with the world and accept all this homosexual junk, transgender stuff and all that for peace sake. No, 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 no. Jesus said he will give you peace in you not to the world. In fact, you want to know the truth? There's a scripture that said, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword to separate truth from error. Come on, the sheep from the goats, baby. Come on, right? Jesus came to separate and bring a sword. That's what he came to do. Now, his peace that he gives is for you personally in your soul. I love... That I love in that verse where it says, He restores my soul. Now, here's the deal our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. Now, get this here we go. To restore means to bring something back to its original condition. 
Some fireworks are starting to spark of revelation. To restore your soul means to bring it back to its original condition. Back to the factory settings, if you will. Back to how God created us from the beginning. Now listen to me. In this evil and crazy world with so many pressures, stresses, concerns, sadness... If we are truly connecting with our Heavenly Father on a spiritual level, not a fleshly level, not a mental level, but spiritual level, it says right here that He will restore our mind, will, and emotions back to peace. He's the shepherd that will always lead us back to peace. Isn't that a comforting thought? Now, here's the deal. Let's get practical. If you are finding it difficult to experience that peace in your soul, right? Should we talk about this? Want to talk about this, right? Right? I mean, it's kind of a practical topic, isn't it? (laughs) Right? If you're finding it difficult to experience that peace in your emotions, in your soul, here's the deal. Your focus is off and you're allowing distractions to hinder or override that peace. Here's the deal. Listen to this. This is what the Lord showed me. He said, if you are not experiencing that restoration of peace in your soul, are you ready for this? Man, it dropped on me like a two-ton bomb. Here we go. He said, you are allowing something or someone else to shepherd or lead you off course. You've let, come on somebody. Now, now, this is not a condemning word. Because how many of you know, it's so easy to get thrown off course with this world in which we live. Working secular jobs, all, all the things we have. I get it. I know. But here's what he said. If you're not experiencing this, you left me or him as a shepherd. Because he will always lead you and restore your soul back to peace. Our Heavenly Father has the ability to bring us to that place of restoring our soul back to where He created it to be. See, this is the importance of this is the importance of emotional healing connected with the deliverance ministry. I say it all the time. Casting demons out of someone, that's easy. The main part of deliverance is trying to get their thought life back into proper order. Trying to get them, here it is, out of agreement. Trying to, here it is, trying to pull them away from those demons that are trying to shepherd them in the wrong direction. Our Heavenly Father leads us in paths of righteousness, it says, for His name's sake. Why? Because He desires to bless us. He is a giver. He gets glory. When we act like our Heavenly Father, when we are imitators of Him, guess what? We're bringing glory to Him. It's for His name's sake. Amen? He loves to express His faithfulness and love to His children. Amen? Now, when we walk in righteousness, we are honoring our Heavenly Father. You agree with that? He desires us to be blessed and favored. And that will only happen as we walk in His ways and be a doer of the Word. Amen? Uh, Jesus, I don't know why, okay, I'll say it. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I want to challenge you in this place, you watching online. Today, pick someone. Pick someone who needs something. 
Go out and bless someone today. Uh, you know what? It is. When you give and help someone, it is a blessing. Jesus said it's a blessing attached to you. It, make, here's, it makes your soul happy, doesn't it? See, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not have to fear. Why? Because it says God is with us. An awareness, here it is, an awareness of His presence in our life brings comfort and it brings peace, even in the most difficult situations. I, I said this before, a testimony of mine, but when my mom passed away back in 2009 at 54 years old, I remember being at the, the funeral home uh, for the first night of the showing. And I was just like, "How am I, I'm, I'm outside, they haven't opened the door yet. I'm like... How am I even going to handle this, seeing my mom in a cat? I mean, you know, right? Hello, somebody, your mom? Any, you know, any loved one, but my goodness. And, and I remember the door opening, and I'm like, man, I'm going to lose it in here. I'm gonna and, and so I walk in, and I kid you not, it felt like angels were surrounding me. A peace came over me. And, and I heard these words, you will see her again very soon. The comforting of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it doesn't matter whatever you're going through in life. The death of a loved one, what is it? He Just know that he's there with you. Tap into his presence and take advantage of that. Amen. Here's the deal. It says here that his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Now, now the rod and staff are used to guide and direct a flock in a certain direction, right? The commandments of God, the word of God, they should be a comfort to us. They're leading, they're guiding, the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us. He's our rod and our staff, right? Here's the deal. If you view the word of God, the commandments of God as a drag, you're totally got a wrong mindset going on. The commandments of God are the love of God. He's showing us what is the boundaries of his blessing. And anything outside of those boundaries, you're outside of the blessing of God. Amen? So you don't look at him as, oh, God, oh, he's judging, he's judging. No, 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 no. His boundaries are his love showing us his safety and protection. Amen? There's safety and protection within the boundaries of the Word of God. There's safety when you're led by the Holy Spirit. See, the rod and the staff are used to prod us back into the will of God. If, you got, if you're moving a flock of sheep or whatever, a shepherd, if, if there's one that started to get off course, he would take his rod and staff and he would kind of you know, tap it and, and nope, you're trying to lead it back. So when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that's all he's doing. He's trying to get you back to him as the shepherd. Trying to pull you away from anything that's trying to pull you off where you will not have that peace in your soul that God wants to give you. Amen? Does that make sense? So I love this about this, this passage. Our Heavenly Father prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. I like that, don't you? What's that talking about? It's talking about favor. It's talking about protection in our life. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me when I was writing this message. You want to hear this? Anybody? Oh, good. Thanks. thanks. My goodness. All right. Caught you off guard. I get it. All right. 
The Holy Spirit spoke this to me with this verse. He said, the promise of preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies and the goodness and mercy, his goodness and mercy following you will only come to pass. This is what he said. If you are humble enough to allow me or him to shepherd you and you and obey the course corrections in your life. These promises in Psalm 23, again, are not automatic. Right? You can confess them all day long, but if you're walking in the devil's territory, you're not getting any of these benefits. You, these will only come to pass. Let me say it again. If you are humble enough. See, hum, it's not a worldly humility. The worldly humility says, I, you know, I'm a dirtbag. I'm, uh, you know, talking, talking down about yourself. That's not it. Humility simply means this, to go God's way and not your own way. That's all it is. Pride means you want to do it your way and not God's way. That's what the Bible says about pride and humility. Amen. So these things will only come to pass, the blessings of Psalm 23, if you're humble enough to follow me to shepherd you and obey the course corrections in your life with my rod and staff. He said this, humility is the key to favor and protection in your life. Don't ever forget this truth. Our Heavenly Father gives course corrections because of this. He sees the big picture, doesn't he? We, we're, we're, we're just like horses with blinders on, right? All we can see is right here, right now. But God says this. He says, I see everything. He sees the big picture. He knows things that we don't. And he said this. He goes, James, I hear conversations that you don't even know about. Have you ever gotten a discernment about someone? They're nice to you, to your face. Come on, somebody, come on. Have you ever, and, and you just, got, just you know, you, you're, you're, you're being nice, and, but, oh, that lack of peace on the inside. Like, what is going, I'm sensing something. God says, I hear conversations that you don't. <laughs> you better be careful who you're allowing into your inner circle. Come on, somebody. Be very, very careful. Now, Our Heavenly Father is a protector. Look at Psalm 46. I'm almost done here. Psalm 46. All right. Psalm 46. We're imparting some Holy Ghost wisdom today. Amen? Amen. Psalm 46. I just want to look at verse 1. Very simple. It says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Now, very simple, isn't it? I mean, wow, great. The Holy Ghost, man, he just takes you deeper and deeper into even one little scripture. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, refuge means this. It means to provide shelter. Our Heavenly Father is our shelter and strength. But I love how it says that he's just not present, right? It says he is very present. I like that. He's very present. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Anybody want to hear what he spoke to me about this? All right. Mm. Man, I love you guys. Man, 
You pull the anointing right out. All right. Here it is. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, this verse does not excuse my people from praying and inviting me into, into their situation to be their, sh- their shelter and strength. Whew. Really? I mean, I, this is another passage, another scripture that I read before. And I'm like, oh, well, all right, it's automatic. And then the Holy Ghost drops that on me. <laughs> I mean, I love it. This is, this, is, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He takes the Word and He takes you deeper into it. That's what He does. He brings more revelation, more clarity to it. Amen? Go out and preach the Gospel. Oh, okay. So now the Holy Spirit leads you to go do this. Uh, start an evangelism team. Oh, go reach a community like this. You see what I'm saying? He gives you that one thing and then He shows you how to apply it. How to activate it, if you will. I like that word, activate, don't you? This is saying, here we go, that our Heavenly Father is a very present help in trouble, meaning that if you will pray and call out to Him in the midst of the trouble, He will be your shelter and strength. He said, do not neglect prayer in that time. Do not neglect the invitation coming into that situation. That part of the verse the very present help in trouble. This is what he said to me. He said, that part of the verse is meant to do this, to build your faith, to know that he is there waiting and ready to help when you call upon him. It's not, say it ain't automatic. The in, Listen, in one invitation of the Holy Spirit contains the power of breakthrough. In one invitation. Say invitation. If there's, if there's a gathering going on and you're not invited, do you still show up? Uh, you better be invited, right? <laughs> Holy Ghost is the same way. Mm. Hey, he put it in he put these spiritual laws into action. If prayer didn't mean anything, if prayer means nothing, he never would have commanded us to pray. We would just be wasting our time. But the fact is the the word of God is full of of of, of um verses that tell us to seek him, to press in, to invite him. It's all throughout the word of God. I love how the Word of God confirms itself. Amen? It's an absolute agreement from Genesis to Revelation. I'm on the last page, ladies and gentlemen. It says that God is our refuge, right? In Psalm 46.1, which we just read. But it also says the same thing in another well-known passage. If you will, please, turn with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, let me show you here something that the Holy Ghost wants me to pass on to you all. Psalm 91, and uh, I just, let's start out by looking at just verses 1 through 2 here. Anybody here like Psalm 91? Amen. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't it? And it says these words. 
He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Now, the secret place is not meant to be a secret from you or or a mysterious place to you, the Christian. It's called the secret place as a place of protection to be a a protection from the enemy. You know, many people try to make it a spooky thing. Oh, let's get into the secret place. Come on, right? Oh, the secret place. It's a secret from the enemy, not from you. Okay, you should be in the secret place. Are you hearing me? The secret place is this for us in the New Testament. The secret place is abiding in or remaining in Christ. To remain in intimate fellowship with your heavenly Father. It means setting your love on Him. If you will do that, you are in the secret place. I want you to notice verse 1. He who dwells, or the person who dwells in the secret place. Notice it's your responsibility to get in there. Again, it's not automatic. Now you, you, you can see why a lot of Christians are getting their butts kicked in life, right? Right? I love it. I love it. You get it. <laughs> Amen. They just are. Because they're failing to do what they need to do to get in that secret place. Verse 2. Here we go. Here's something maybe you never thought of. Verse 2 starts out by saying, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Here's the deal. I will say, you better be confessing the Word of God. I will say of the Lord. Do you catch that? The Word of God just better not just stay in your heart. It better fill your heart so much that it spills out of your mouth. Why? Because the devil needs to hear it. The kingdom of darkness needs to hear it. There's power in words. Amen? My goodness, if witch, people in witchcraft can speak words that curse, you can speak words that can bless people. If there's a curse, there's a blessing. Spiritual laws in action. It's a neutral thing. What way are you going to use it? For evil or for good? Amen? For Satan or for God? Come on, somebody. I will say of the Lord, I will. In other words, I'm going to declare who he is. You know something? When you speak the word, angels even show up. Here's the deal. Angels respect the name of Jesus and the word of God more than some Christians. We need to get a reality. We're talking about the power that's in the name of Jesus, right? We need to get a reality check about this. There's every time you name the name of Jesus, man, something's happening in the spirit realm. Amen. Now look at Psalm 91, 9 through 11. This is my last passage I'm showing you here. Psalm 91, 9 through 11. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. You made him that. You made him that. Are you following me? You have made the Lord. No evil shall befall you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. I want you to notice something here. If you will look at Psalm 91, it starts out with, 
that, you know, I will say of the Lord. And it's a list of confessions of who he is and the benefits. Did you ever follow that? And then look at verse 14. After, after those confessions of the word, now in verse 14, look at that. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Don't tell me that confessing the word of God is not important. It's not a word of faith thing. It's a Christian thing. Amen? So it says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. So you've got to get a revelation of this. Is Again, the responsibility is on us as Christians to position ourselves to make the Lord our dwelling place. And then he becomes our refuge. He then is our shelter. Amen? When you Again, when you make him your dwelling place by abiding in Christ, setting your love upon him, being a doer of the word, confess the word, prayer. All of the benefits of Psalm 91 depend on you making the Lord your dwelling place. See, some people are probably walking into heaven and they're saying, Lord, why didn't you do this? And he said, well, I was waiting for you to do that. I was your shelter all the time. I was right here the whole time. I told you to get in me. I told you to stay and abide in my son, Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You know, even the movement, activity, and effectiveness of angels in our life are dependent upon us being a doer of the word, setting our love upon Jesus. Come on, somebody, in uh, our Heavenly Father, and confessing the word of God in prayer. So, church, our Heavenly Father, He is absolutely amazing, isn't He? And He is constantly thinking about, He's constantly watching over us. We need to get into the Word of God. Spend more time in prayer with Him. Get to know Him even more. He is present and He desires to spend time with you. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank You for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that was popping off in the spirit of every person in this place. Lord, I pray that you would continue to show them things that I didn't say. Take them deeper. Take them deeper than what I even said, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Do not leave this place without making him Lord of your life, becoming born again. Because, again, I say it all the time, and I will continue to until my last breath. You don't know when your last day is on this earth. You don't know. It could be today, driving home. Who knows? I hope it's not. I pray it's not. But my, don't you want to know that you will not end up in hell into the lake of fire for eternity? If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to meet me up here after service. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here. You know, you, you frankly don't know if you would go to heaven if you passed away today. That's too big of a gamble. You made Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago. You backslid. It's not, it's, you feel numb on the inside spiritually. If that's you, I want you to just come forward and pray with me. Let's, let's just rededicate your life. Just settle it today. Why do you want to live life feeling that, that lack of peace on the inside? That's miserable. When you're here hearing my voice right now, this is your chance to rededicate your life today. Now, maybe you, you're a Christian, you love the Lord, but man, you just feel overtaken by the enemy. But you've never 
receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come up. I want to pray with you. Receive the Holy Ghost baptism. It will change your life and ministry for the Lord forever. Amen? Now, maybe there's someone here. Any other, you know, you need a prayer for healing physically, emotionally, anything else. You want to pray for a family member. I'm just going to make myself available. I stay up here after service, every service, and we just pray with people, whatever you need. Amen? Visitors, thank you so much for coming today. We hope you enjoyed today's revival experience. Amen? That's my hope. I, I want people to come to these services. That's why we're not in a hurry. I want people to really enter in and have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, something that they can walk out and, and talk to their spouse about over lunch. Amen? <laughs> something that they can chew on through the week. Something that's going to change their life. So I hope that that was uh, true for you today. Um, so we got uh, Prayer Tuesday on the phone. If you need the phone number, livingwaterschapel.org. Get it there. See me. We'll give it to you. Wednesday night prayer here. We're keeping this prayer train moving. Amen. Saturday night. Don't. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be powerful. It's a, it's a whole different kind of an atmosphere. Because, I mean, we're always, you know, casting out devils and praying for the sick. But there's something different when we're coming together for these meetings. So, uh, 7 p.m. right here this Saturday. Amen? All right. Everybody, thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. If you need me, grab my card on the table. My cell number's on there. Get in touch with me. Love you all. Have a great week, everyone.